the idea that we can make money with our photography and run a business by doing what we love is a pretty enticing one. The problem that I see coming up is that often we are sold a dream that is wildly outdated at this point with technology, social media, and everything that exists. The way of being an artist as a career now is dramatically different than it was even 10 years ago, let alone 20 or 30 years ago. This episode is to give you the lay of the land on what it means to make your living as a photographer and artist in these times. Hi, I'm Christine Riche, an artist and mentor to photographers around the world. Consider me your interstellar guide on the path to being a better nightscape photographer. In this podcast, we will bring together our artistic right brain and technical left brain by exploring creativity, art, and inspiration in photography, as well as diving into technique, gear, and strategy necessary to elevate your craft and photographic practice. I am so happy to be a part of your Milky Way journey. This is the After Dark Photography Podcast. Hello, welcome. I am delighted to get to bring this topic to you today. This is one that is very, very near and dear to my heart. Now, I do want to cite two references before we dive in today because they really influenced heavily the structure of how I'm laying out today's podcast episode. And I am, I'm really reflecting on a lot of the ideas that they brought up. I've certainly had many of these ideas on my own, but I have not structured them formally in my brain in the way uh, that these two people did. So the first is a book called The Death of the Artist. I'm going to pronounce the name wrong. If you go on my show notes page, we will have it linked up there um, by William, I think it's Deserwick, Deserwicks. I'm bad at pronunciation, so I'm sorry because I know I got that one incorrect. Um, that was a 2020, I believe, 2020, yeah, 2020 book that was published. And then the second is a much more recent article by Rebecca Jennings. Um, it is on Vox.com and it's called Everyone's a Sellout Now. I highly recommend I'm going to read that one first because it will be quicker <laughs> to read that. And then um, also the book, The Death of the Artist. I will say I found both of them to be very insightful. And I also found them to be perhaps a little bit depressing. And that is uh, definitely not what I want you to get out of today's episode. Um, it is a point of view that many people can have when looking at the state of the world when it comes to being an artist or a creative or someone who is putting their work out into the world. So the place that we want to start at today is talking a little bit about kind of historically how photographers and artists have been seen um, 
really kind of a romanticized notion. So if we look at, at this idea in the past and historically, what do artists look like? And here I am going to lump photographers in with artists. I have talked about this on multiple podcasts before, but if you are a first time listener, just know that I am putting artists and photographers in the same bucket because I think in order to monetize our photography and to create value, we, in the genres that we're working in, especially if you're listening to this, you probably like Milky Way photography or landscape photography, um, especially in those genres, our work goes from just being photographers to being artists. And so much of what we do is um, creating context. So in that realm, I am going to Put us, lump us all in together. Though some of the things that I will reference will be more what is kind of quote unquote the um, proper fine arts or what has been considered to be fine art in the past. You know, if we're looking back to something like 20th century, um, what were considered to be the fine arts like um, painting and sculpture, etc. So when we think about artists and the way that artists have been portrayed over the years, there is, like I was saying, a very romanticized notion as the artist as being like a solitary genius. Um, so I've spoken about this before, but there is a, a TED talk where one artist is talking about the idea of inspiration as having a genius, that it is not actually the artist at all, but it is the genius that is visiting the artist. I do not like that particular <laughs> TED talk, but I understand where it's coming from. And I know that a lot of popular culture in the past has romanticized the idea of being an artist. And, you know, we we are on our own and it's the the lonely and the troubled and the misunderstood artist. And to an extent, that was also backed up in the way that art was monetized and the way that artists made a living. Very much for a long time, art was created with backing of institutions. You know, you would make it if you had the backing of specific institutions um, and over time those those institutions differ. You know, if we go far enough back, that institution would be the church. Um, if we go to even, you know, maybe 20 years ago, we're looking more at um, the galleries um, and the art critics and the universities and the places where um you know, art residencies, places where people are going and getting put within a system that is in place. And in that, in all of, of this structure, what that allowed is to have a separation of the art creation and a separation of everything else. And I think that a big part of this is how artists have been viewed historically and the way in which they used to be able to work and how it's different now because social media, digital platforms, um, 
it has blurred those lines that were conventionally there. And there are both positives and both negatives. And depending on who you talk to, <laughs> you might get a little bit more of one versus the other. The thing that I really notice now, though, is that to make it as an artist now, it is less of a reliance on those institutions, though that is certainly a, a track, I guess I want to say, a track for some people, but it's not for most people. And in the past, it wasn't for most people either. Uh, it, it certainly was only you know, those big names that we hear that get there. But now we have people who are making a name for themselves. You know, it's easy to look maybe at the music industry with this. And even if we go back to just before YouTube, you know, how did people get known? How did people get in front of producers versus now they you know, YouTube is even old now as a method. Now people are um, being able to create records because they went viral on TikTok. It's a very different world now that we live in. And the thing coming into this as a photographer is understanding that a big part of putting our work out there is now embracing things like collaboration, relationships, networking. It is, it's not enough to create good work. Full stop. You can create the best work ever and it will not be enough. Is that still important? Yes, it absolutely is. And this is also something I think we'll touch on later. I have in my notes here. This is also a, a part of it and it comes up in the article as well. If you read through how now so many people have to take so much time to do all of the other things that we are losing maybe some of the level of experience and execution in the craft part. And I think there needs to be a marriage of the two. With anything, whenever there is change, Whenever there are new technologies, new capabilities, new platforms, whenever there is a seismic shift, as we're going through right now with AI, I mean, even in a year, I might come back to this episode and have completely new things to say. Whenever we go through these shifts, we can do one of two things. We can ruminate on how it sucks and how the old way and how, how we did things before wasn't it so much better? And we will just stay there <laughs> if we if we want to build our our business in 1990 or 2000. Um, we have to have a time travel machine. So we can honor the fact that maybe, depending on where we are, how long we've been in this, we remember when things were different. But the option number two is to embrace where we are now and to find the way that it works with who you are, what your values are, uh, what your way of being creative is. Not everyone is creative in the same way. And what your goals ultimately are as well. So we are not the solitary artist anymore. 
Though, if I can just like hang out in a cabin in the woods by myself for a little bit, that's pretty awesome. But I know it's not going to happen all the time. And the institutions and the systems that used to exist to create that are less and less now. Even things like coveted artist residencies that exist, you get the time to create. But we are also expected to be recording a lot of that time. And um, we'll I'll, I'll save that because that's going to be, um, we're going to talk about social media in a little bit here. And I will say, I normally have my episodes pretty scripted in that I have like, I'm going to talk about this section and these specific points and this section, these specific points. This one's a little bit different because it, it's my thought process and response to the article and book that I read. So I do have notes and I am going to do my best to make sure that I am as um, streamlined as possible, as as not ADHD as possible. Uh, but I might go on, on some tangents today and I hope you will come on them with me. Also, if you hear some noises in the background, it's sunny today and there is snow melting off my roof. So uh, every once in a while, if there's an odd noise, I don't know how it's going to pick up on on the recording. Just know that um, it's just Mother Nature just checking in with us as we go. I don't think that we could do this episode without talking about technology. And this, I think, will be a topic that we can come back to at regular intervals and have completely new things to say. I was reading a very interesting book um, by Neil deGrasse Tyson, and he basically said, you know, we don't have the capacity as humans to be able to predict what our society is going to look like in 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. Um, he gave some really interesting examples about how, you know, people were saying about where they thought we would be now and um, it's it's quite interesting the bell curve of advancements in technology are so it's just so significant we can't know we really can't know all that we can do is be aware of what's going on now and how it is shaping and changing the way that things have always been done and this, I think, is also very important, especially for anyone who is coming from a more conventional educational background. I have a Bachelor of Fine Arts with a major in photography. The craft of photography that I learned, I learned in film, by the way, um, but the the overall craft of photography is is the same the ideas behind creation and the critical thinking skills all of those things are relevant every single thing that I learned about business is not relevant is completely different now um, night and day and uh, I finished my bachelor's in 2009 so it was 14 years ago now <clears throat> so Technology is something that is always going to be changing. It is always going to be advancing and moving forward. And we've got to ride the wave. <laughs> like, let's grab our surfboards and, and stay on it. So what are the things right now that are different? So the first, of course, is going to be social media. 
uh, the ability to be found by anyone anywhere in the world and to connect with anyone despite any borders is pretty amazing. And we're going to, in the next section, we're going to talk more in depth in terms of uh, how social media has changed what we're doing. Of course, we also look at now the value of photography. There's a lot of there's a lot of change for artists, especially artists who are working in a digital realm, because of that really, I would say, proliferation of sharing and content creation and the just the economy of tech and how photography <laughs> It, it, it is almost like throwaway in some ways. Oh gosh, did I just say that? I did. It is almost like this, you know, it's like a change. It's like pennies. That's how much of it there is. And it's used as that currency across everything on social media, on the internet. Now that's also shifting to be video as well, but video takes still a little bit more than photography does. Now everyone's got a phone in their hand and many phones are way better than cameras that, you know, we were all trying to fit these small digital cameras in our pocket or trying to get travel cameras and things like that. And now we have the phones that are just like creating images that are better than um, these, these travel cameras we used to have. And so, there's such a higher volume of it and there is the ability to share at a much higher volume and there is also the ability to just take whatever if you have an image online anywhere anyone can take it and use it for anything they want now is it actually legal no no absolutely it's not um but most people either one don't know that it's illegal. I know many people who are just like, I can just use whatever images I want. Um, or number two, don't care <laughs> that it is illegal and they will continue to use them. So specifically when, when we look at as photographers living in a time when every person we know is a photographer, you know, I in past episodes, I was like, my three-year-old's photographer. She's four now. But, you know, she's taking my phone and taking pictures with it. She's got her tablet she likes to use and goes around and takes pictures. Everyone literally is a photographer. So we've got that coming in. Then we have the ability to share and to steal coming in. And there is such volume, just the volume and the deluge. We really can't go... <laughs> very long in the world we live in without seeing many images. Let's just, even if we set down the phone and we don't pick up our phone for a day, if you go out of your house, you are still going to see so many images. Everywhere we go, we're going to see them. You can't even get away from it driving down the side of the road. You know, you're driving down and then all of a sudden there's a billboard in the middle of nowhere with images on it. It's everywhere. And then once we bring a phone or a tablet or a computer into the mix, well, that's just it, you know, that, the, the sheer volume that we see. So this is why one of the things that I often teach 
is, yes, I teach the craft. I teach how to get good at taking good photos. Can we take amazing photos of the Milky Way with a phone? Not quite yet, but they're getting a lot better. <laughs> the, the technology side in phones is getting a lot better. But it has to be more than just the craft. This is a big sticking point for a lot of people. And that's why it's something that I really wanted to talk about first in this episode is that it's not just the craft. It's not just the creation of the image. It is the communication of why we created the image. It is the context. It is the relationship that your image ends up having with the person, the change, the emotion, the feelings, the connection that your image can create. And here's the news that you don't want to hear and that I have said time and time again, and I will harp on until things change, is that unless we take the time to identify what we want that to be, what feeling we want to evoke in someone, what story we want to tell with our image, people aren't going to come up with it for themselves. They're just not going to because... There's, we don't have time. We live in an attention economy where we do not have the time or the brain space to think about it. So as the artists, we need to think about it for them and we need to communicate it. And that is something with everyone being a photographer, with having so many images available that we have to take the time to do. And it's not fast in this world that we are now being inundated with everything in this attention economy, we have to slow down. And that can be hard because we are also <laughs> being trained, right? We are the artists, but we are also the consumer on the other end. And we are also participating in everything. <laughs> so we have to slow down. I have a whole episode actually called The Benefit of Slow, which you can look up on the podcast. Uh, but we have to take that time. That is on the side of the creation of the work. And I think that's a big one where the technology, the platforms have impacted how the work has to be created, how we have to think about the work. Then there's social media. Social media is huge. It's huge. And you could, it would be, this would be a great, everyone remember debate teams? We're on the debate team. This would be a great topic for the high school debate team because I can make a whole list of pros for the role of social media and photography and art. And I can make a whole list of cons and we can pit them against each other. And I'm going to kind of do both here. The reality though is that if we want to monetize our work, if we want to consistently make revenue, we are going to have to use social media. We're going to have to. Unless you are an absolute savant and you are have access to the elites of the systems and institutions that still exist, if that's you, that's great. Stop listening. Go hang out with those people. They're going to get you exactly where you need to be. Uh, but for all the rest of us, myself included, social media is the way that we now get access. Social media is the way that we can bypass the gatekeepers. 
It is also the reason why many people don't end up pursuing photography or art um, as a career or as a, a method of monetization in their lives because it's no longer enough to just create the work. So I said we have to create the work, then we have to think about why we're creating the work and communicating that. But now we also have to basically be branding ourselves. This is part of what used to be taken care of within the institutions. When people were finding their work primarily through galleries, um, through shows, when collectors were only finding their work through these places, when you could get on with a gallery or in a place through doing an artist residency, um, when that was a viable way, when there were grants and you lived off grants to create bodies of work that were used by institutions like governments, etc. And some of all of these things are still happening now. They're still happening now. But when those things were happening, as the primary source, as what most photographers did, well, what happened is that photographers could could just create their work. Artists could just create their work. And then the other people did all the rest of it for us. That's going back to that solitary artist thing. Now it's not the case. Now we can reach people individually. We don't have to be accepted into the institutions. But we still have everything else still has to happen. Everything else happens for a reason. All of these other pieces that go into it, the branding pieces, the financial pieces, the communication of the work, of the process behind the work, of the artistic genius, all of those things still have to be communicated. The end user who actually gives the money so that they get access to the work and we get paid they still need all of those things. All of those things still have to happen. We are now doing that. As artists, as photographers in this age, we are now using social media to communicate with people who we are. This is what is generally been called branding. Designers have been doing this work forever. Um, and now we would call it the personal brand. So it's not just that we're an artist it's that we are now a brand and a brand you know often we think of like nike um you know coca-cola apple those are brands but now we are also brands now we are not playing the same rules as those big brands are it, it's different that's why it's called a uh, personal brand quote unquote personal brand we are however creating that brand based off of the work that we're doing, the actual aesthetic, the category of work, the genre, our focus, whatever that is, and also who we are as a person. And then we have to communicate all of that through social media. It can be very overwhelming. I feel like I have a little bit of a unique look into this 
because I do actually have a degree in design and I learned about all of this and I spent over a decade um, working as a product designer creating brands. So now to think of myself as a brand, um, I left the, the corporate world um, in 2020 as many people had many changes in their lives in that year. Um, that is when I, I went out on my own and I decided to give this whole entrepreneurship full time um, to give it a, a go. And I did have to sit down and I created a brand identity for myself. And it has shifted in some ways with the things that have become important to me that that weren't then you know I've had some big changes in my life some big losses in my life that have shifted the things that I talk about and the shifted the things that are important to me which has shifted my brand in some ways now not the core values of my brand but it has shifted the messaging and the things that I talk about and if you're listening to me right now and you're just like but that's not art it is now a part of it and that's why this episode, you know, it's kind of titled, um, Do You Have What It Takes? Let's we'll see if that's the actual title I go with, but that's my working title. Because you do have to take this time to identify who you are, how that translates into you as a brand interacting with other people, and how you will communicate that using social media. And social media is ever-changing. It is different. It is expanding, adapting, evolving all the time. People like to get mad at the algorithms, but we don't control the algorithms. I'm not a, a, a top executive in Meta or a TikTok cop. TikTok, sorry, or any of those um, platforms, and who knows what platforms will be coming. We are not the decision makers. We are the people who need to learn and adapt and be nimble and show up on those platforms. What I recommend here is understanding that social media for now is here to stay. We're not, it's not going anywhere, even with government regulations and things that come in, there is always going to be some kind of social media. Um, and if we are living in a time when there is no social media whatsoever, we will have a lot more adaptation as artists, um, because I think there, it would have to be a huge societal change in order for us not to have social media. Um, as a part of our lives. So I think we'd be having, we having a whole different conversation on this podcast at that point. Um, you might not even be able to listen to this podcast if, if we were to get to a point like that. So we have to accept it as part of doing business and we have to identify what our personal brand will be and how we will show up on social media. That's a huge question. Uh, is bigger than than we have the time for today on the podcast. These are the kinds of things that I get kind of excited to nerd out on with my students inside the Shoot to Sell Society. It's something that I am constantly doing myself. That's the cool thing about teaching the business side of it. I taught 
the photography side and the craft side for the longest time. And then finally, my students were like, we need to teach us how to how to sell our stuff. And I was like, OK, I guess I could do that um, and have had this membership going for almost a year now. And it's been really interesting. But a big part of using social media, yes, it's understanding the platforms, it's understanding how to use them, but it's also just understanding yourself and the work that you're creating and the brand of you. And then we decide what are the platforms that align with my goals as a business, not as a person. I'm not talking about using social media as an individual. You know, I'm not talking about how um, Instagram would just show me reels of dogs. Like you go onto my Instagram and I go scroll through the the reels. Like it's just, it's going to be dogs, maybe some other animals. That's all you're going to get when you go through mine. That's me as a person and my social media usage. Um, my business usage is very different. And it's about deciding the way in which we'll utilize social media and then adapting to the changing rules of the game, adapting to when they are, let's say you're using Instagram and Instagram for a long time was prioritizing reels over everything else. Now reels still at the time of this recording um, tend to get a lot more reach, but other things like carousels are doing quite well. It's about understanding the things that are currently working and they're always going to be changing, but approaching it and communicating who you are and what your personal brand stands for across that. There's lots of ways to do that. There's no right way. There's many different ways. There's no right way. Uh, you know, as photographers, we've got a bit of a leg up. You know, imagine someone trying to do like copywriting and trying to do like behind the scenes photos of like them as a copywriter <laughs> sitting at a computer. Okay, we could do that too, but we can also do when we're out, um, we're out shooting, we can do behind the scenes for that. When we are editing an image, we can take a time lapse of that. There, there's so many different things that we have access to visually and the social media platforms are largely very visual ones. So there are these pros that exist to the the fact that we're creating visual media <laughs> and visual media is the primary way um, that social media is uh, communicating. So there are definitely pros that exist, but we have to embrace it. It's not going away. We have to accept isn't that always the first the first step is acceptance? We have to accept and acknowledge that it's here. Then we have to define the rules of our game. So what is it? What is my message? What are the things that I stand for that I want to communicate with the person who's engaging with me? And then we adapt that to whatever the current status is of the platforms that we're using. It is not for the faint of heart. It is not for someone who is going to complain that things are always changing and get frustrated at that. If you do that, you're going to hate your business and you're not going to move forward with it. 
And this is where I'm coming back to, to these, these same ideas through this podcast. It's not the same as it was 15 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. It's not the same and it can't be the same. So we cannot build a business in the same way. And if someone goes into it and says, you know, oh yeah, you can be a photographer. You don't have to use social media. I get ads. <laughs> People telling me that you don't have to use social media to run your business, but then they're running ads on social media which is interesting to say the least. Um, if someone's telling you that though, then they are not someone that you should listen to. Because while it may be possible, it is not probable for most of us. So let's come to the understanding that social media is part of what we need to do and find a way to integrate it. I will say for myself, one of the ways that I currently utilize social media is what I'm doing right now. So I need a way to connect to people who I want to work with. So you're probably listening to this episode because you are interested in monetizing your work. What do I have as an offer? I have a membership called the Shoot to Sell Society that I open up registration for at certain times and I bring people in and I help them sell their work. This, what I'm doing right here, is a way of helping people understand if they want to do it or not. And if you come out of this and you say, yes, I still think that the benefits outweigh the, the negatives, then you might say, and Christine, I want your help with it. This podcast is part of my strategy for using social media. What do I do? I create content. I help us shift the way that we are thinking through the podcast. Really, most of what I'm trying to do in the podcast is give your brain some new ideas and new thoughts um, to shift your perspective or your mindset on something. Um, to help you understand if what the right next step is for you. And then I promote my podcast episodes on social media. So you will see that I will post about my podcast episodes on Instagram and Facebook. I will send newsletters about my podcasts. Um, and I will put this content out there for people to consume. That's one of the ways that I personally use social media and I do teach. So inside the membership, inside my society, I teach about what I call pillar content. And if we will just do a quick, I'll do a quick aside here. I don't want to take too many asides with you because we still have a little bit more to talk about. Um, but I talk about creating pillar content so that you can pull from that pillar content to social media. So you always have something to say on social media. As photographers, it's like, well, I'll just post my photos but what if you're snowed in for two weeks and you can't get out and you can't take any more pictures? Are you just going to take pictures of your cat playing in the sink or are you going to have something else to share? Um, and so pillar content is a way to do that. A podcast can be pillar content. A YouTube channel um, with YouTube videos can be pillar content. Works really well for anyone doing workshops or education. Um, and then a blog can also be pillar content. Blogs are not dead. However, um, social media is the thing that drives the traffic to it. So it, people aren't just finding my podcast by searching after dark photography on on iTunes or Spotify. Um, most often, if, if you search after dark 
things, um, you come up with a very different topic than what we're we're talking about here. Uh, no, most people come to my podcast from Facebook or Instagram or my newsletter, um, or they're in one of my courses and they know um, that I'm publishing to my podcast. It is a way for me to use social media and to connect with people. And I do it strategically. Everything I do is strategic because as a business owner, I need to be creating content that is useful for people who want to work with me in some capacity. So you will see the way that I show up when I am launching a collection is going to be very different than the way that I will show up when I am launching my society or when I am launching my Milky Way class. It's very different and it needs to be because it's a business. And if I were to approach this just as I would approach taking pictures because I enjoy it, the hobby of photography. If I were to approach my business like that, I would be spending a lot more time doing a lot more things and I would have less time with my family and less time for the things that are really important for me. So strategy is important and understanding the way in which we make our money as photographers in the current landscape, including social media, is a huge, huge thing. So I think that brings me to like, what next? What do we do? So the way of doing things in the past, it's not the same anymore, right? The way of doing things in the 1900s is not what we're doing now. I'm sorry, I can't help it. Oh, it makes me feel old. Uh, it's not the same anymore, is it? It's different. And, you know, we can't just hole up by ourselves and get really, really good at our craft and, and that's it. You know, we are now living at the whims of the algorithms and we are branding ourselves and we are um, not getting, we're not getting discovered and, and having the easy train, um, which didn't happen for very many people, let's be real. We've got all of these other things that we have to do instead. So what does that mean? And do you want to do it? Well, I have at this point, I think, dwelled quite a bit on some of the negatives, the perceived negative challenges um, and changes that have happened. And I haven't gone into all of the benefits. And part of that is because I think we're often sold a lot of the benefits. You know why? Because <laughs> there's a lot of ads that show up in our feeds that are talking about all these benefits, especially, and I'm sorry, like now that you're listening to this, you're going to get be getting ads for all kinds of things um, because the internet knows. I don't know how they know, but they know everything. My phone's right here, so I'm sure I'm going to be getting ads for all of these things at some point as well. So we get a lot of information and, and I don't want to say propaganda, but um, proliferation of information about how we can do anything. And, you know, as an artist, as a photographer, we can be our own boss and we can create. And all of those things are true. They're all true. However, they are not true in the same way that they used to be. And we have to understand what we're getting ourselves into 
and have realistic expectations for what we need to do because it is not just photography. It is so much more than that. And you also get the ability to do so much more with your photography. No, we can't just spend weeks or months, you know, traveling around the American Southwest and creating images and then showing them to the world and the world being like, that's the best thing I've ever seen. Um, Ansel Adams is really good at his craft. Uh, you know, I can go, we look at the Farm Security Administration and, and um, some of the amazing images that came out of that, like Migrant Mother, all of those things. It, it is a bygone era now. We are now living in a van life era? No, I and I missed that. Wrong generation for me to be van life. Um, I have to be maybe 10 years younger to do it pre-kids. I know, I know there's people who do it with kids, but um, I'm, I'm not quite in the right generation for that. Um, but now we're, we're in this world where we are creating and we are communicating about the process of the creation and the value of the thing that we've created. We are constantly in communication with that. But here's the really good part about this is that when we take the time to figure these things out, when we take the time to think about why we're doing what we're doing, to think about what the benefit of what we're doing is for others, to take into consideration the experience that someone might have when they do experience and sit with our work on a deeper level, and then we start communicating that. And then we start creating content that draws people into that. The connections that we get to have with people take things, and I would say even the creation of the work to, to the next level. The connection and conversations that I've gotten to have with people because of my work is amazing. The ideas that I get to explore in my work get to be shaped and influenced by conversations with people that I respect that I would have never had the opportunity to talk to before. The people that I get to know now in my life, the value that they bring on a consistent basis is immeasurable. It's absolutely immeasurable. And all of that exists because of the internet, <laughs> because of the shift in the way that we get to show up. And that is the benefit. I get to run my own business. I'm now an entrepreneur. I'm a CEO of my company. I have employees. I have team. Um, I get to pay people <laughs> to work for me and teach them. I get to interact with thousands and thousands of photographers every year. I get to have my work hanging in, you know, each year I have hundreds more collectors purchasing my work and putting it in their homes. I get to do talks on my work. Um, I was featured um, by the government house here, the lieutenant governor um, featured me for a series that they do. Um, and I got to present on my work. 
uh, I had to go hang out in the queen's bedroom <laughs> here when she, well, I guess it's now the king's bedroom, isn't it? Um, was the queen's though, when, when I did the, the talk last year. Uh, all of these just amazing opportunities and things that exist because that's part of it too. So yes, the old ways of doing things are not the new ways of doing things. It has changed. No, we can't just be a solitary artist. We can't ignore social media. We can't only focus on our craft, but we do get to have a deeper understanding of what it is that we're doing and the way that we are creating and influencing other people's lives. And I would, if, if you put me on that debate team, <laughs> I would argue for the fact that as artists, when we are not working in this bubble, we get to have a deeper understanding of our work because we get to see how it relates and impacts others. Not everyone is going to have that same perspective and that's okay. But I can tell you that I have learned more about what I do and what I create in the conversations that I have with people than I would have if I was just here in a bubble by myself doing it. This path is not for everyone. It's not. However, it is exceptionally rewarding, exceptionally, exceptionally rewarding. I get teary-eyed all the time with the messages that people send me, emails, page, page-long emails that I get from some people based off of how my work, the photos that I'm creating have impacted their lives. That's pretty amazing. People whom I unfortunately will probably never get to meet who live across the world. And that is not something that I would have direct access to if I were working within only the institutions that used to exist. Even now, I have work, uh, I have a gallery that carries my work and people purchase through the gallery. I don't get to know those people. I don't get to know the reasons why they're purchasing. I don't get to have conversations with them unless it might happen like they might come and purchase during an opening. Um, I, I'm removed from that. And I am exceptionally grateful to have that as a revenue stream within my business and to have that relationship with the gallery. But there is also something that for me can be missing. So I think we need... If I were to sum all of this up, I think we need to go into this with our eyes open. We need to understand the state of the industry and where it is now and what is expected of us in order to do this. And then we need to decide what are our goals? What do I want from this? Do I just want the ability to, to be creative? Do I want the ability to take care of my family? Do I want to become a household name? Do I want people to see an image and be like, oh, that's a Christine Rose photography image. What are my goals? And those goals will be different for everyone. And when we've defined that, then we look at 
what are the possibilities within the way that the industry works now? And what am I going to have to do in order to get there? And what things might be uncomfortable for me? And leaning in to that. I will end this with, with something that I'll be talking about a lot. So I'm as I'm recording this, I am going into um, an event next week that's called Website Week. Now, this will be coming out and I will be midway through Website Week. Um, but I'm going into the event that, that is Website Week next week. And one of the themes that I will be talking about and probably harping on, and if you are listening to this because I sent you to this during Website Week, you're going to be like, I know, Christine, you keep talking about this, uh, is the idea of being comfortable in the discomfort. So getting used to being uncomfortable and being okay with it, because that is where the growth happens. And if you decide to take this passion for photography and take it to the next level and turn it into a profession, turn it into a business, because we are doing so as a personal brand, it means that our person is going to grow in a lot of ways. Will we get better at being a photographer? Yes. Will we become a marketer? Yes. Um, will we become a business person? Yes. But we will also up-level ourselves in so many ways. And so that is an opportunity that we don't get to have in a lot of other situations because it takes time. <laughs> it takes time and it takes being uncomfortable and we liked we're, we're comfort creatures us humans we're definitely comfort creatures and when we make things into a business and all of a sudden if that business has monetary goals and has repercussions we've got to get it done if the business has to produce money in order for us to eat it's got to get it done and sometimes that means that as a person, we have to go through some very uncomfortable growth um, that we might not otherwise do if we didn't have to. And I, I just wrote this in an email that will be, I don't know if it will have come out yet um, to my, my people who are inside Website Week. Um, and I said, you know, 2019 Christine and 2024 Christine, she thinks in a lot, a, a very different way. Um, I have certainly changed my mindset around a lot of things that I never would have looked at before. And I often think for the better. I know myself on a much deeper level now than I ever did. Does it sometimes get exhausting? Always strategizing and thinking about what I need to do, about making sure that I take pictures of myself behind the scenes, about planning out my podcasts are around an hour long, but there are hours behind um, the research, the planning, the idea, the ideation. Um, and then what am I going to put in the social media? What am I going to put as the post? How am I going to get people engaged to read? How am I going to sell people on taking an hour of their time to listen to me talk about photography? I'm talking about it on a podcast? Isn't photography visual? Shouldn't I be doing a YouTube? All of those things. And does it get exhausting sometimes? Yes. It gets less exhausting the more I do it and the more I bring in uh, standard standardizations, 
uh, what we call SOPs, standardized operating procedures, um, having a plan, all of the things. Uh, I will say, just as as an end here to this, if this is something that you want to do, if it is something that you're currently doing and you are like, you know, I'm doing it, but it is overwhelming. It is hard. Um, I have I have an episode on when you're overwhelmed or you're stuck. Uh, and one of the things that I say to do, and this is how I've gotten to this point where I am right now, where I get to talk to thousands of people through my podcast, which is just craziness, is that I learned from someone who was doing something that I wanted to. So I uh, invested in courses and programs to learn how to do it. I invested in programs that cost more than my university tuition did. And I remember the first time I did, and I'm like, this is ridiculous. I went to university. I don't need this. No, I did. I absolutely did. Um, I've invested in learning from people who have already done it. And I have invested the time in changing my mindset and um, getting into things that sometimes, you know, my brain is just like, really, do we really have to to unearth that and think about that? And the answer is yes. <laughs> the answer is always yes. So those are my two biggest things. Um, you know, outside of acknowledging and coming to terms with the reality of what it means to be an artist and a business owner, if you say, okay, yes, the, the benefits for me outweigh the potential negatives, then find someone who's doing it and get them to help you. And that can be, I can do a picture. That can be me, my Jutta Cell Society. It can be. That doesn't have to necessarily be me. It can be a mentor. It can be a friend. Um, find someone who is there and can help you and guide you because otherwise you're going to waste a whole lot of time. Things change very quickly and you want to make sure that you are getting help from someone who is also doing it building community and then taking the time to upgrade our brains you know if you're at 1.0 now let's take it up to 2.0 and that is through mindset work that is through deep work it is through taking things head on that maybe we've shoved under some rocks. Um, and uh, I will, uh, I'll say for myself personally that I have done that through learning from people who are mentors to me, um, also through therapy, um, multiple different types of therapy, and taking the time to look at things that, you know, I just never did before. I can't, I am not, even though some of my students tell me, they're like, it's like I'm going to therapy with you. I am not registered in any way or have any background in that. Um, So please go to people who are and who do know what they're doing um, in that realm. But we we all have things, I think, I I really think um, everyone can benefit from some type of uh, mental health um, guidance from people who know what we're doing. I know I say to my conversation about a psychologist with my son at one point, and I was like, just think of them like a brain doctor, you know, like 
I'm not going to go and, and think that I can fix my arm if it's broken. I'll go to a doctor who knows how to put bones back together. I'm also not going to know how to switch my way of thinking. Um, I'm going to go to someone who studied that. <laughs> I can absolutely teach you about photography. But, um, you know, those other things, they're outside of my wheelhouse. So we go and we find the people who can help. And if we're in a situation where we can invest, that's great. You will get places much more quickly if you are able to pay someone and work with them. But if you're listening to this and you're like, I can't, I can't afford mental health help where I am. Um, it's not included. Um, it's not something that's covered by the government. I don't have a healthcare plan. Um, or, you know, I can't afford to invest in um, a membership or courses. That's okay, because that is the reality for many people. Is my reality for a very long time. Um, find those people. And the, the benefit of living in this world that we do is that there are a lot of free resources. The thing with free resources is that it just takes longer. You have to go through. You got to listen to an hour long episode with me and then you pick out the two or three pieces of that episode that are really relevant to you in your life and where you are right now. And it's the same thing, you know, um, to get resources on uh, mental health or on business or whatever it is. You find the people who are doing the thing and educate on the thing that you want to be and you learn from them. If you can pay people, you'll learn a lot more quickly because you can get access to those people in our capitalistic world, that's how it works. Um, if you can't pay them, there are probably going to be free resources that you're able to access. And that's the way forward. Once we make that decision, we say, yes, we're gonna do it, then that's the way forward for it. I hope I haven't completely <laughs> put you off of this whole idea of art, but I also, honestly, I. I really want to shine a light on things that people don't talk about as much as I think they should. And it's easy to glamorize this type of lifestyle. It's easy to show all of those fun parts, but it the rest of it doesn't get talked about as much. And that is what I hope we get to do in these episodes. So if you have found some nuggets of wisdom here, I would love to know that you have, um, especially on these, this is a little bit more of an experimental podcast topic for me. So I always love hearing feedback. Um, one of the places where I read feedback directly is inside of uh, the After Dark Photography Podcast Facebook group, and we always link to that in the show notes. Um, we have a community of people in there who share, and it's very helpful for me to hear what you think. Um, of course, the other way that you can also share is if you want to leave a review on the podcast um, on Apple. That's always fantastic because when people come on it and they're like, who in the heck is this Christine girl? and they read um, your reviews, it helps them know what they're in for. Because um, I never want someone to sign up for an hour long podcast and then be like, what did I just listen to? Okay, thank you. Thank you for being here with me. I appreciate you. And I am excited for everyone who is embarking on this journey to get to play a small part and to hopefully see as you evolve and shift and grow.